Hey, I'm so glad you tuned in. Welcome and thank you so much for pressing play. We really appreciate the time you take out of your day to hear our story and the stories of our guests. And we hope to keep bringing you inspiring content. My name is Ebehi and I'm the host of the Layers of Design podcast. Well, in this episode, I have a conversation with Julian Ramirez. He's a designer, 3D artist, and the manager of the FIU Fabrication Lab. Julian is the perfect example of a designer that is constantly improving his skills and giving back to the design community by creating content that showcases the importance of efficiency in design. Julian is very hands-on with his work, and he has a passion for computational design. Honestly, I could keep going because I personally got a lot of good tips on how to be a better designer, but I'm just going to let you all have a listen for yourself. Hey, Julian. Um, thank you so much for coming on as a guest. I'm really excited about our episode. Um, <laughs> let's get started, I guess. What got you into architecture and design? So um, I've always kind of been all over the place. In high school, something that kept me sort of grounded was the art program. Okay. And um, I actually think, I mean, I'm kind of rediscovering myself as an artist now, but back then I thought, you know, I'm not going to make any money doing art. I'm not going to be able to live off of that or you know i don't know for me i guess money's always been not in a superficial way just in a as a resource it's always been you know self-preservation so i wanted yeah. to make money so <laughs> architecture was i thought a venue for me to sort of do my art um but you know be able to make a career out of it of for sure yeah and yeah so that's what put me on the track i started with like 3d modeling and rendering in high school that was really how my Oh wow! Sort of art skills transferred. At yeah, really and then, cool. yeah, I was 16 when I first picked up, I think, SketchUp and V-Ray. Oh, nice. Yeah, Ten years, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. You were saying? No, yeah. So that's that's kind of what got me into architecture. And I really like the the fact that architecture has such a wide spectrum. Over time, I, I got to, I leaned more on computational design. That really became another focus. Uh, around the time I was graduating, I realized um, I didn't really want to do commercial projects. I had kind of had internships here and there and freelance projects with firms, mm-hmm. landscape interior architecture. And I just kind of knew I didn't want to go to an office. Uh, so I stuck around for that second master's, master's in arts of architecture, where you develop a project focused mm-hmm. towards a direction, towards the either pedagogy like the teaching of architecture or the theory of architecture okay which i actually finished through uh ga ship with jelpy and my first year and a half of being fabrication lab manager Ooh, very so nice. i dove into the fabrication thing as soon as i graduated because i didn't know and now i know now i'm kind of gra- digital fabrication to me now is completely tied to my computational design base but um mm-hmm. i'm really going in on the uh on the animation, visual effects, I'm really trying to pick that back up because I realize how much a month of work of me applying myself in that area can produce. So I'm really excited to see where, where I can take this. That sounds all awesome, first of all. <laughs> but um, Thank you. you touched on going right into the fabrication lab right after graduation. How was that, like jumping right out of graduation and into, I guess, managing or almost because you were in charge of it. So it's almost like you were teaching um, the students how to use the lab. So how was that? 
Yeah. So uh, to talk a little bit about that experience and also what the corona has meant for for the lab at the school, I I didn't get right into it. So I graduated in May of 2017. I took uh, a pretty OK summer. <laughs> and uh, then when I started up in the fall again, that's when I started my uh, GA ship with Jelpy for the Founders Park, okay. which is a project uh, that the grant had been extended on to develop uh, the design more. So um explaining to Jelpy what my background was and what I wish my focus to be. Uh, I started working with him at Embus, uh, like making Rhino models, producing digital uh, assets that, you know, could be related to the park or could be related to later prototypes. I was kind of showing him like what I could do with Grasshopper, which is a, it's sort of a procedural way to model. You create mm -hmm. like scripts and algorithms to produce geometries. Yeah. So <laughs> that's actually where I first got my start in fabrication. So we went for paver designs. We did 3D printed mold inserts. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you make a mold for a cement paver, except you use a 3D printed part to create a texture. So we tried a variety of textures and, and created uh, some mock-ups with trellises. Hey. And that was my first start. I was trying to mix in cement. I started seeing, seeing wood, cutting wood, sanding wood. That was my first in at the at the fabrication lab while Julia was manager. Mm -hmm. How cool. That's very hands-on. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very much in the trenches most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you feel do you do you prefer being like in the trenches and like really close to your design as opposed to seeing it on the screen? Like is there a difference? Of course there's a difference, but how is it? Yeah. So as in again in looking at myself mm -hmm. as an artist, I realize I rarely get inspired, you know, when I mm -hmm. I sort of spend months think, thinking about a particular subject and it sort of manifests itself later on. Mm -hmm. um, and I need to kind of separate how I'm manifesting that. Watercolors for me, it's not something I'm great at, but mm -hmm. it's something that's totally separate to my work and it's completely meditative. I can just sit down and let it flow and spend hours and not even realize it and kind of have those ideas come through that way. So for that reason, when there's projects to be produced, Mm -hmm. whether they be academic or freelance or whatever it may be contract i need direction like um i can i can advance a concept i feel mm -hmm. that's where i can like do a lot of, but i'm really technical i'm very technically focused i can have those conceptual conversations and i can understand a concept i can understand a narrative and i can build it mm -hmm. um but i kind of need someone to tell me what's important <laughs> most of the time so that's that sort of you know in in the whole process of trying fabrication and coming back to to this like it's been a great exercise in self-awareness or um yeah 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 Touch, actually that's so funny because touching on self-awareness i was just thinking like the next thing i was going to talk to him about was that because it really sounds like you you're at least if even if you know because we're always growing but like it really sounds like you are more aware of who you are as a designer and i think that's really amazing because as designers i feel it's really important for us to kind of know who we are and what we want to represent and i think that helps us be better designers i agree architecture has that mentality right yeah i mean everyone on uh you know, most of your audience or if not all of it is going to understand that that architecture mm -hmm. is multidisciplinary in nature and yeah. you being able to communicate across these disciplines is a common language we can all speak across mm -hmm. design and art yeah wow okay <laughs> Um, so I guess, what are you currently up to? Right. So the fabrication lab, um, the students can't use it because for the time being, yeah. don't want to worsen the situation. And that's really the thing. 
my engagement with people for this I think it's a it's a good move for universities because you know I would interact with anywhere between like 10 to 100 students in a given week so minimizing people's exposure that way I think it's been super helpful for Miami to stay mm-hmm. I mean as far as as far as what I've been able to keep up with I understand that the hospitals are not overwhelmed and yeah. it hasn't been so that's I mean it's amazing if we can keep that up but so I'm maintaining the fabrication lab and FIU has done many initiatives to to go online and to optimize their learning experience that way. So one thing I'm involved with is this new program at FIU, mm-hmm. the talent transfer program. So it basically adds some temporary responsibilities to me to keep me involved in the university. So I'm able to still work for the university, maintaining the lab resources. Um, and in doing so, I'm also creating educational content or aiding with uh, MBUS's uh, 3D printing um, summer camp for 10th mm-hmm. graders. An amazing program. Um, yeah, that sounds really and, good. Yeah, and I'm also teaching my first summer B credited course by the university. Yeah, so I got stuff to do. <laughs> and all of that I'm tying across workflows because that's really where my passion lies. Is uh, If I need to take a 3D model, I need to channel it for whether it be animation, whether it be rendering, whether it be digital fabrication, what is it, how is it that 3D art, you know, that's how I see it really. I see myself as a 3D artist. So how can a 3D artist optimize any sort of part of a workflow or or improve any project? And that's where I'm trying to apply myself and what I'm focusing my teaching on, Mm -hmm. which is perfectly overlapping with uh, the business idea that I've had for a while, which I've moved into Baco Studio, um, my little corner there, uh, <laughs> to to push this idea and see how it is that um, Kevin and Nick over at Baco Collective are taking their experiences as they studied architecture too, but they're pushing it on on brand content creation and just branding packages in general, and that's helping them execute all kind of different projects. So bringing their knowledge of how production works in the real world and how it more importantly works in the Miami community, mm-hmm. bringing that to what I'm going to teach as far as 3D technical ability at FIU, I feel like is an important connection to make. Well, I think it's so um, important and so great that you're all about collaboration. Yes, absolutely. We cannot do it alone. I agree. That's a hard lesson to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So can you tell us more about the visual mode? Yeah, I've been all over the place with it because that's how I am. That's fine. And, <laughs> but the focus right now, I mean, it, being at the studio with Kevin and Nick and developing um, my course assets for FIU and digital assets that I went. So the first phase includes creating beginner set of courses and digital assets, uh, whether they be textures, 3D models, okay. or scripts. I know I'm getting very down the rabbit hole here and (laughs) people may not understand what exactly we're talking about. I'm very open to expanding on any part of the technicalities if you're interested, but essentially just digital resources and make all that for free. So have this sort of supplemental platform where students, Mm -hmm. primarily architecture, because that's where my focus is right now, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to expand to CGI artists, you know, 3D Mm -hmm. printers, digital fabricators, and kind of touch upon everything I touch upon. I just feel like documenting what I'm able to do in projects, if I'm able to assist Kevin and Nick or on any of their endeavors, I feel like documenting that process and make 
fitting in, into a pedagogical structure is gonna pay is gonna really carve a path for people because I don't know if anybody's familiar or maybe you're familiar with the page Visualizing Architecture by Alex Hogruff. I am, of course. <laughs> so yeah, that got me started. I was SketchUp and awesome. V-Ray and Photoshop like back when I was 16. So ever since then I had the idea, I wanna do this. I wanna give back to the community this mm-hmm. way. And Kevin and Nick were with me in those times when we were using that as a as, to get us started. We that all that sort of experience re- resonated with us, so they know what it is that I'm trying to do better than anybody. So I feel like this is just uh, yeah, I'm trying to take this current situation as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still very busy with FIU, but I think there's ways to augment the work that I'm doing for them and really bring more value. Well, I think it's so great that you're doing all of this for free, you know, and it's it's like you keep learning from all of this and all of your collaborations, but you're you it's important for you to also give back. Right. And then definitely a marathon. So it's going to take me a while to really be able to bring value to projects. And, you know, the idea is that once you have a beginner package, um, then intermediate or professional level assets that I'm possibly able going to be create maybe within a year's amount of time, yeah. I could start selling. And that's really like the idea of scaling your art. Yeah. So if you have a, if you create an amazing texture, if it's stylized or it's photorealistic or whatever, you can sell it for two or five dollars. Hmm. If you sell it a hundred times over the course of three or four years, but it took you a day to make, Wow. You've made like three hundred, four hundred dollars on that asset that took you half a day to make. You know that's really that how that market works. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as long as uh, that art is relevant, because <laughs> it, the, the tech area just evolves so quickly. It you have to keep up. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that's one thing that's so important, especially in our profession, because it's the tech is becoming more and more important for us. So we have to like constantly keep up and know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it takes a little bit for architecture, yeah. Okay, so let's just backtrack a little bit. I think you've talked about this already, but let's talk about your passion for design and architecture. I think you've kind of already touched on that. Yeah, I have. Architecture, so I guess I'll throw this in there. Um, If I were to ever make a building, right, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it'd be residential homes. I really want to make, like, efficient Efficient. What does that even mean? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Do you know the artist Daniel Arsham? No. So he's an architect, but he's very well branded himself as an artist as well. And he just has this style, this personality that just comes through in both his business and his personal brand. Mm-hmm. And it's very clean, very sort of Japanese inspired, traditional, um, but also very futuristic uh, postmodern culture, like dystopic. It's very, I know, it's, uh, but uh, it, there's something about that fusion, right? That idea of harmony in space and, uh, and using like very, very minimalistic materials or shapes. Um, if I see myself like doing architecture, I'd want to do like those types of residential projects like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I feel like, my connection to materials through fabrication, I just feel like there's so much about materials. You know, I went, while I was listening to Erica's episode uh, mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. um, there was a moment that we were talking about where, what was the building, you know, that first got you sort of thinking yeah. about architecture, or she brought up that story. Yeah. For me, it was just before I moved to the U.S., we were making a trip around Spain uh, to kind of get, know, get to know parts of the country that my brother and I hadn't seen. And we visited Frank Gehry's uh, Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao. Mm-hmm. And I was just about 11 or 12 at the time. And I just remember, like, 
as soon as we walked into the museum, I just like went up to this huge wall that was, you know, five or six stories tall, like encased in like this glass atrium space. And I just wanted to walk along the wall and like run my hand on the cement. And I recalled that memory. <laughs> I recalled that memory when we first started architecture. Uh, the professor was bringing up, you know, something about, you know, that sort of experience. And uh, there was that connection, you know, at that moment. So. So I'm definitely, I, I, you know, I'm not abandoning architecture at all. If I don't think it seems that way from what I've said, but uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's. It doesn't sound like you're abandoning architecture in any way. No, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I I feel like I don't know. I I feel like architecture is so much more than just building houses. You know, like a lot of times I know like majority of it is of course. Um, how a building is put together and all of the details that go into it. But architecture at the end of the of the day is so much more than that. It's about transforming a space. It's about using different materials to bring something to life, to bring an idea to life, you know? And there's so many things that go into that as well. Like, I don't know. I personally love architects and architecture just because we have the knowledge. It's, it's almost like we're a jack of all trades you know like we see we can see things like we can visualize things in a conceptual really conceptual fluid manner and we can also see things in a really technical manner because we got both trainings absolutely yeah if it, i never established that but my mind definitely works in those two fashions mm -hmm. i've had to separate the technical and the conceptual like and uh challenge to have to uh, cross between them in just mm -hmm. in in one just conversation. Yeah. So that's why the mission is important. Having a clear mm -hmm. direction is mm -hmm. is very important, and being able to compartmentalize what exactly are you responsible for mm -hmm. to to execute on. We're mm -hmm. we're planners, mm -hmm. right? At the end of the day, architecture mm -hmm. are planners. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But it's like you said, it's important to know exactly our mission, what we want to use architecture for. You know. Um, speaking of the crossing design and the technical like side of architecture, how does it, because I know you're more like you're leaning more to the technical side. How does it um, feel or do you find it challenging? Okay, so let's say today, for example, you have a bunch of things to get done. Do you find it challenging switching from, I guess, thinking of like a conceptual idea, super design to like switching to the technical side? No, um, I've, I've kind of figured out a way to do it because at the fabrication lab, you really are like in survival mode at one point. Um, well, not at one point, but there's seasons, you know, midterms, finals, <laughs> where uh, it really gets intense and you got to say no a lot to things that you just can't deliver on because you're overwhelmed. So the structure I kind of give myself is if I can take control of my day, Mm -hmm. I'll put three tasks for the day and okay. I'll split them up into two hours. So that'll usually turn, you know, if it's a super efficient day and it's six hours and I get to have, you know, a good lunch and give mm -hmm. myself breaks. Awesome. You know, if it might turn into an eight or 10 hour day, that's what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but three, two hour tasks is what usually how I break things up. And if I'm more efficient, I get to answer emails, whatever. I okay. kind of have prepared to be interrupted with any tangent at any point because at the lab if i have things to do but i have a student coming in with an issue whether it be urgent or whether it may just be a consultation there's always something that has to come up 
So being able to, you know, say, you know, you got to give me five or 10 minutes to mm -hmm. finish this because I can't mess up this task right now. I'm on it, but I need 10 minutes to wrap it up, you know, mm -hmm. and, and if you just, you know, tell people that, you know, politely and, and that's the communication across teams or across like strangers or someone who you just met mm -hmm. uh, is super important and just being very clear and upfront. And, you know, sometimes I understand I can be high energy like that way, but it's uh, at this point it's self-preservation. It's like, you know, I'm going to need to finish this task or else I'm going to come back to it and it's not come out the same way or I might get distracted and do something else. So finish mm -hmm. this and then I got you and then I can do my next thing. And it's really, it's a, it's got to be a little cold, you know, it has to yeah. be, it's production, it's production. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you have that, I guess, sense of discipline and, you know, saying no and knowing when exactly this task, it's asking me to be finished at what time. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that's always something I'm trying to improve on, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to, t I'm, you know, like you're saying, it sounds like I have the discipline. I think I have the knowledge and I'm trying to apply the discipline as best I can. But, you know, you can't beat yourself up, if, yeah. you know, especially I'm pretty self-critical. So it's really important to avoid that. Yeah. That's like one of our biggest flaws, I feel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But it's important not to let it turn into self-deprecation, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the, the challenge right there for oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you spoke about being a 3D artist and, you know, you're really into the visualization aspect of architecture and of design. What do you think the importance of visualization in the design field is? Like, why do you think it's so important? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, see, like again, uh, it's that's the thing. Now you're having me switch from like technical conversations to to conceptual. <laughs> so I'm totally having to shift gears mentally. All right, why is visualization important? And this is great because a lot of times when um, you have a clear vision for mm -hmm. what it is that something should look like, and you understand how you can execute it, but you understand all the errors that might come up along the way, but you already know how to fix them or you already know how to pivot if those errors come up. Mm -hmm. But having someone who's giving you um, direction in that process that doesn't understand how you're going to bring this back to what they want or they need yeah, um, can hinder a lot because you know, you know why something looks crude right now, but you understand you know, whether it be that you're going to patch and paint it, you know, because cuts don't always happen at the angles that they're supposed to happen or et cetera. Yeah. Uh, or in a render where a tree may look choppy, but I'm just showing you the position of the tree. Don't worry about what the tree looks like right now. <laughs> so visualization is so important that so a lot of uh, what I've been posting lately online has mm -hmm. been really workflow related in three or five hours. How can you get a very good looking idea that you can t get notes on and it's not supposed to be a final product it's supposed to be like a really the best kind of sketch you can come up with like really boil down your decisions to what you need to make because once you have that base image then you're ready to have that conversation yeah. with the person who's directing you or your client or your professor or whoever it is then you have something to go off of but if you're if you don't have that visual if you don't have that you know, something you pulled from references and then you stitched together and you use either that software, you did this by hand and you scanned it or you photographed that and you traced it. Yeah. Like if you don't have that little one pager built 
for when you're going to sit down and have a conversation of a concept or execution of a project, mm-hmm. you, uh, you're just hurting everybody involved, right? It's like at this yeah. point, <laughs> with all the tools available, um, you're not able to produce something to show to start a conversation. Exactly. And the amount of time that people have nowadays is if that's if you can produce that piece right very very quickly that's something i've come to realize recently if you can produce that piece really really quickly and really learn to deliver on what it is that's being asked of you getting that first you know foot in the door that's like that's it and then following up is just acquiring you know being involved in that process and not dropping because of lack of commitment because of lack of knowledge because of lack of communication lack of understanding yeah. etc the visual just it speaks a thousand words. It's it's you know it's nothing new, right? It's yeah. Yeah. you know it's really amazing that you bring up that point because even okay, so for example, at work sometimes, right? When your boss is like, okay, we want to see this sketch, you know, a lot of us, and I know I fall into this trap like really often. Um, it it turns out like a lot of us are like, okay. Um, let's try and get, let's say it's a wall or two walls or something. Let's try and get this almost as perfect as possible to show um, the boss. But then we kill so many hours and then our boss is like, well, that's not even what we wanted. So it's exactly. great that you've started to show the process and to show, you know, how to deliver your idea, even if it's just to start a conversation, but how to do, deliver it properly and in a way that people can understand it and you can really express yourself in an efficient way that's a perfection good i mean perfection doesn't exist it does right? if you're if you're starting there you're already compromising yourself yeah wow <laughs> i like that this has been a great conversation i agree thank you so much this has been great <laughs> yeah oh we're not yet done though <laughs> we don't have to be but i'm just saying <laughs> okay so we're going to talk about more on the technology aspect now of architecture. Of course, I know that you're really involved with the, you know, with the technology and keeping up to everything that's um, current, right? But what is your take on technology in the design field? It's getting there. <laughs> it's just to sum it up. Do you feel like we are there, or you think there's still a lot more in in terms of technology that you know, that we can still improve on and grow. Yeah, there's a lot for me to say there, I guess, but it's nothing, there's no real conclusion, really. Mm-hmm. Um, digital fabrication, like I said, is is, is my focus as far as, yeah. you know, manifesting physical things into the world, right? Yeah. Um, so 3D printing, CNC machining, additive manufacturing, where you add layers to produce objects or subtractive manufacturing, where you take a block of material, sheets of material, and you carve away at it or cut out parts that interlock. You know, how do we optimize for those types of structures? Because they're very, you can create really, really unique and complex shapes or seemingly complex. Uh, one great book is uh, Complexity Simplified, which is really like a technical book, but it kind of goes into how it is that really algorithmic design isn't complicated. It's just the language you need to learn. Because once you learn, once you know how to speak it or write it, rather, mm-hmm. um, you can actually create things that seem very complex or very, you know, very sculpted that would seem very tedious to produce if, if they were sculpted. But if they're procedurally generated, it's actually very, very simple hmm. to, to establish that process. And when you, once you have the process, 
you know, say, say a cube, right? And you uh-huh. create a procedure to, to create an opening on that cube uh-huh. and make a window, right? And okay. let's say that no matter, you know, maybe now there's a rectangle. So, you know what, instead of centering that window on the cube, uh-huh. let's uh, space out windows every five feet. And if there is less than five feet or if a window is not going to fit, there won't be one. So you set up these rules for how geometry gets produced. And that's really like on the software end, how I see it applying to architecture. That's actually one of the beginner, something I wanted to include in the digital assets for beginners Okay. is procedural buildings in Grasshopper. So if you need to create yes. <laughs> New York style buildings as context, you can just kind of make boxes where you would want New York style, you know, Brooklyn buildings or whatever. And it's rough, you know, you might have to like, I, that's where I, that's my test, right? How far can you take that procedural building to a level of detailing grasshopper versus another software? Wow. And so that's yeah. on the software end. <laughs> so, but on the fabrication end, you know, if you're going to then produce those procedural shapes, you know, you can do rib structures mm-hmm. where you, you cut shapes in, in an X and a Y orientation, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you can then fit them that way. So that's actually super easy to produce. The technology has been around for 40, 50 years. Yeah. But if robotic arms can not only start cutting, but also assembling, it's a, it's a different game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, one, little, one little moment for me uh, that was really cool is I used uh, the script to optimize a, a dome. Okay. So I produced these like domes and I ran a structural analysis of it for uh, tensile and structural uh, stresses. Mm-hmm. And wherever there was tensile stress curves, I added uh, 3D printed steel reinforcement, right, in design. Ooh. And uh, wherever there were compressive stresses, I beefed up the cement 3D printing around that reinforcement. And then I saw Delta, uh, the company that makes the printer Delta Wasp, they made a Delta crane to 3D print with cement. And the texture on their cement dome slice looks very, very similar to the one I came up with my script using this plugin. So either they use the same plugin and we arrived at the same <laughs> conclusion or, you know, somehow, I don't know, like that was a moment for me where I'm like, wow, like maybe I'm actually onto something yeah. like, with this stuff. Yeah, for sure. This, this all sounds so exciting and honestly, like a breath of fresh air, like even, even just for me. Because, um, okay, so I, right now I'm currently participating in a design competition and I'm using brick, right, is my choice of material. And I want to use brick, like, for my facade and in different places. And I find myself, because I'm not good with, um, you know, Grasshopper and a lot of those other softwares, just because I haven't actually sat down to take the time to learn it, which I should. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, that just trying to create the brick facade on just Revit alone, I took a step back and I was like, I would probably be more efficient and come up with so many cooler ideas if I could apply myself into, you know, one of these softwares that could produce these, you know, different variations of this facade and I could really expand my knowledge and my ideas. Yeah. So no, I actually started thinking about you because I remember even in school, you were you were really into, you know, the computational design and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as far as like softwares, mm-hmm. uh, you should never shy away from anything. Yeah, there's never there's never a challenge that's too big. 
something I've been doing recently that anybody at any level of anything could take on is doing it daily. So, okay. um, this is actually in, inspired by Beeble, uh, his Instagram handle is Beeble crap. And for 13 years now, he's been posting a rendered graphic every day. Wow. So it's, it's crazy. And I'm not, I'm not able to hit every day right now. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes me not an hour, but two or three to produce, but sitting down and giving yourself that cap limit to mm-hmm. produce something mm-hmm. with what you know, even if it's something you just learned, like just spend an hour on it, like whatever you get out of an hour well, and, doc- like and document it. Of course. Yeah. Document it. Because then after a month, after 30 hours, let's say after one month, you look at the documentation from your first week, to where you're at in a month and it's amazing you got to look back and realize like you just got to be patient and it's really just testing things out and see where you're comfortable i mean it also depends what you're trying to go for you're trying to get into a certain industry or you're just trying to see what fits into what you already know mm-hmm. well i really need to take you on that advice <laughs> the, you know, the daily practice yeah. I mean, even if I don't get to a finished product in a day to post, I have, I, now I have it, right? Yeah. The thing about the digital world or when you're working with the software is now I have the file and next time I don't have to start from scratch. Yeah, of course. Wow. Julian, it's been <laughs> amazing having you on. And honestly, personally, I have learned a lot. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's great to just hear what you've been up to and how much you are you know you're willing and open to give back to the design community um but before we wrap up do you have any questions for me yes okay (laughs) (laughs) i have a question so because i started a podcast of my own nice so we've recorded a couple uh episodes but um Kevin and Nick are helping me with the branding of the visual mode. So nothing's really blasting until June 15th. Okay. Um, but I'd like to know with the sort of reintroduction that you did for layers of design, what is it? <clears throat> I know you did an episode on it, but I'd like to know how it is that you feel that the connection that you have your, with your guests has changed before the introduction and mm-hmm. after. Wow. That's actually a really good question. So, Personally, for me, the introduction helped me personally, right, as a a growing designer and podcaster. And it also, I think it helped a lot with my online audience, right, to really gain more attention and attraction in the sense that, okay, this is what I'm about and this is what I'm trying to achieve. So before the introduction, I didn't really know what uh, I wanted out of this podcast, honestly. I had just started it like, okay, I want to start getting my voice out there, right? I want to start sharing my experiences and hearing experiences from other designers. Um, So I had just put it out there, but over the course of a year, you know, I wasn't really focused on the podcast itself. And honestly, that really, I guess, gave me a hit in my confidence level. Because I started looking through my graphics and I was like, this isn't me. This, these graphics are not me. You know, like I, I know I can produce so much better. I didn't feel comfortable that I was just releasing graphics that I wasn't truly passionate about. And before um, the reintroduction, I also, you know, I would interview my close friends or the people that I had like personal connections with already. And that was great help in terms of getting me 
almost like out of that podcast shy mentality and giving me good practice. So that was really good. But before, I guess I wasn't really targeting my guests with intention. Okay. So after sitting down and planning, okay, I want to reintroduce myself and my brand so people know exactly what it is that Layers of Design is about. I started to think of exactly what I wanted to hit and honestly why I even have a podcast in the first place because that's really important because there were times where I was like, I should just shut this whole thing down. <laughs> like, this is been, I don't know what I'm doing with this. But after doing a bunch of research and to be honest, I took a bunch of courses like on confidence, on design, on graphics, all of that, because I really wanted to brush myself up to a level where I know that once I start giving back to the world, I'm giving it my all and I'm not just half assing it just because. After the introduction, just the feedback alone that I got from the graphics and from that episode itself. It was really amazing to see that, wow, all of the, I guess all of the hard work and all of the time that I really used to sit back and analyze what exactly I was trying to put out, that paid off. And people do appreciate it when we give it our all. So I noticed there was, a, there, there was definitely a change in like my, even just my workflow, the way I get my guests. Now I'm more excited <laughs> even to just have conversations with other designers because I'm targeting the designers that I really want to hear about that are really inspiring me, right? And that fit with my brand almost. So that excitement, I feel like it even shows in the episode and on the page because it's this, it's a different vibe. So <laughs> I think for me, my whole takeaway is that it's important to plan. It's really important to plan. And if you do want to put something out there, you need to, I mean, we don't have all of the answers, especially when we just get started with anything, but you need to at least have a plan and think that, okay, this is what, where I'm trying to go. Even if it's just like in the next month, this is what I'm trying to achieve. This is how I want the world to start viewing my work. And of course we're going to grow and things are going to change, but at least you know that you gave it your all and you're really putting your best work out there. That's awesome. You only fail if you quit, right? Exactly. That's what I kept telling myself. <laughs> yes. So hopefully Layers of Design goes in the direction that I am hoping it will go. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. No, I think so. I, I mean, you know, I, uh, from the events that you organized to mm -hmm. how you've kept up with it, I, I'm very interested in seeing where it goes to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, it's been amazing having you on and hearing, you know, a bit about you and about your story. And I look forward to seeing your growth and all of the amazing things you come up with. <laughs> Thank you. And likewise, thank you for having me on. This has been so much fun. <laughs>